You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Conn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow the Firecracker Cammy, Cammy and G, or follow the show Locked On Horns on Twitter, Locked On Longhorns on Instagram. Cammy, let's let's dive right into it. Uh, a little bit later, we're gonna have Griffin McBay, the third member of the Longhorns Wire team, on talk about Tom Herman's big concerns. But let's let's talk about Tom as far as his salary is concerned. I know you wrote Wednesday morning about his salary. So what, what was your big takeaway? Yeah, I guess I never realized because some of the salaries are somewhat close in terms of the last few head coaches at Texas. So we're looking at Charlie Strong and Mac Brown. And the biggest takeaway for me was that Mac Brown was paid the least. And that's after he had the most production on the field. And so, I mean, I think his salary got up to right around $5 million uh, by the time he actually resigned at Texas. And Strong and Herman were both paid, or I guess are being paid, uh, more than he was. And he was, and we've kind of talked about how uh, no one's been able to right the ship ever since Mac Brown left. So that was my biggest takeaway, basically, that Charlie Strong um, and Tom Herman both have earned more than Mac Brown on a salary basis per year at Texas. Right. I think some of it, though, is the timing. You know, as time has gone on, the, the salaries continue to rise uh, just because of, you know, now they have the Longhorns Network. You know, they have all these other things. The TV deals get more and more. I think it has something to do with it. But I also think that Tom Herman is over. Uh, when, when you when you think about being the head coach at Texas, I don't think he's overpaid in that estimation. Uh, I think it more has to do when you look with what he's making compared to his colleagues. And and when you start looking at pay, you're you're looking at pay for performance. He doesn't have the performance of some of these other coaches. So while Mac Brown, yeah, maybe he should Mac Brown should have been making more. Uh, you know, during his time and, and all of that, but looking at where Tom Herman is currently, uh, you know, it's 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 tough because he's the 11th highest paid head coach uh, this year. Last year was seventh, so should he be anywhere near the top 12? Not necessarily. I honestly, you could argue that he probably shouldn't even be around the top 20. I mean, uh, what has he necessarily done? I mean, yeah, no, I get I, it. Like, When you look at maybe like the top 10 coaches, uh, even though maybe they haven't won a national championship or something along those lines, they have consistent teams year over year. And uh, obviously that they don't have those inconsistency issues. They don't have those player development issues. Uh, they're pretty much always fighting for a conference championship. And so those are the coaches that I think deserve to be paid. Uh, where they are. And so you're talking about the Dabas and the Nick Sabans and all those. So no, honestly, I don't. I think Herman's kind of always been uh, overpaid, you could argue. So, yeah, I don't know. It it's still kind of concerning to me, even at this point, that Mac Brown's taking significantly less salary than uh, Herman while he's at UNC, and clearly he's not having the issues that Herman is having here at Texas. So, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah, we're talking about 
three and a half million for Mac Brown. Uh, I'm looking at the the top ten right now. Obviously, it starts with Nick Saban for good reason. Uh, Ed Ur- Orgeron, mm-hmm. number two. Yeah, I can get behind that one too. Dabo Sweeney, number three. Here's an interesting one. Jim Harbaugh is the fourth highest paid coach. Uh, so he's kind of similar in Tom Herman's shoes, right? I mean, they're both uh, at prestigious universities expected to compete, but they're not competing. Yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh's a little different. I mean, obviously, that's a big name. Uh, he's had past success. So, uh, I don't know. I think Herman was one of those up-and-coming guys, obviously, from the University of Houston. So, uh, he landed uh, this major job, I guess, for him and hasn't been able to produce. So, some of those up-and-coming guys uh, just don't work out. And so, I think that's why Chris Del Conte always mentions that he wants a proven uh, coach who's done it before, basically. Uh, well, we got number five is Jimbo Fisher. Kirby Smart, <laughs> Gus Malzahn. Number eight is Lincoln Riley, Gary Patterson, and uh, Dan Mullen at Florida. And then you get to Tom Herman. Uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting because uh, you look at this list, like uh, the next name right below Herman is Ryan Day. It's like, well, hold on. Ryan Day has actually done something. So it's interesting to me that he's, you know, it's not much more couple hundred, but still, Ryan Day's actually done something. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, especially considering the the last few coaching cycles at Texas, I don't think they should jump in with a a salary of maybe even six or more million a year um, until they start producing. I think think it has to do with the quality of coach that you bring on, right? Yeah, true. I guess if Del Conte wants to go after someone like Urban Meyer, you're obviously going to expect him to uh, be within maybe even the top six or seven uh, to get him out of uh, what he enjoys doing right now. So I think that, yeah, that's a tough argument to make. I don't think Texas would go for another up-and-coming coach, so. Given the history and what what, uh, Chris Del Conte has kind of looked at, you know, and people have to remember – Chris Del Conte didn't hire Herman. Yes, he gave him the the uh, the extension. The nod. Yeah, the approval, I guess. He gave the approval of the the extension, but mm-hmm. he, he's not the one that hired. It was actually Mike Perrin who was acting as the the athletic director uh, before Chris Del Conte that actually hired Herman. Uh, but do you think there's a little bit of buyer's remorse giving Herman that extension after the New Year's Six Bowl, where essentially they've not been at that point? in in the year following or this year? I don't know if I necessarily think he regrets it. I think um, Herman did look promising. I think he had a fairly young team, and obviously you want him to have that full recruiting cycle with all of his players. So uh, I think it was something he kind of had to do. I don't um, necessarily – I even don't regret it for him. But uh, sooner or later you just have to cut the cord when something's not working out. And uh, he's obviously under his fourth year, even though it's an unusual COVID year. It's just – uh, the same familiar uh, failures. And so I think that's very telling. It's not just like they're playing hard in these games and um, just maybe one play didn't go their way. It's just like all these bonehead penalties. It's the worst way to lose. And uh, eventually you have to point the finger at the head coach. All right. So let's, let's look at this. What do you think the buyout is for Tom Herman right now? Too much money, but I have no idea. Uh, 20 mil or more. It's actually, if, the buyout as of December 1st, 2020 is $15.4 million. Wow. It's a lot more feasible than I thought. 
But like you said, in a COVID year, would they go that route? Um, if, if things don't go their way this year, if he can't right the ship, right. do they I... go ahead? And, and, and the way I look at it is boosters will always come up with the money. Yeah, I don't think money is ever an issue, honestly, at Texas, uh, uh, with a football head coach at least. But I don't think they're going to pull the trigger in the COVID year unless maybe Texas loses two or three more games to finish out the conference. I think um, it would have to be a very, very bad finish for them, I think, to let him go this season. But I do think he, if they don't, I think he's obviously on a hot seat uh, heading into 2021 and has uh, minimal uh, room for error. So uh, that would be stressful in itself. So I, I'm not sure. I think it's a little bit too early on in the season right now. Um, yeah, we'll have to just wait and see. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to be joined by the third member of the Longhorns Wire team. So we talk a little bit about Tom Herman. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Go. Whenever you're trying to build on your – your energy levels, when you, when you need to get up, when you need to get going, when you need to break through that wall, you got to check out Built Go. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use that promo code LOCKDOWN. You're going to get 20% off your order. The great thing about Built Go is it combines your energy gel with a collagen protein, uh, B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percent that you need to get through your day, whether, you're, whether it's a physical wall, a mental wall, Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's the five-hour energy without that same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate mint. Got to check them out. Go to, go to BuiltGo.com. Like I said, use a promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You're going to get 20% off your next order. All right, and now right here on the Locked On Longhorns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am joined by the third member of the Longhorns Wire team, Griffin McVeigh. Griffin, thanks for hopping on joining the show, and uh, are you ready to talk a little bit about Tom Herman? Yeah, let's get right into it. All right, so Tom Herman talked about his four biggest concerns on Monday when he met with the press that you could have watched right there on Longhorns network what what was the the big one uh that when when you heard tom herman speak what was the big concern for you i think the big one is the red zone defense it was okay against tcu but against oklahoma it really regressed they the sooners had four red zone possessions and scored 24 points off them three touchdowns and a field goal spencer rattler maybe had two incompletions inside the red zone there's just no you know, no stopping the Oklahoma offense once they got inside the red zone. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, we're talking regulation. Uh, because right, right. It doesn't, it doesn't include the four overtimes. Right, because you're in the red zone once you get five yards. You know, you start at the 25. So, you know, there's no uh, really stats to look at that because the the team's already there. Uh, but when when you look at the red zone defense, is it – is it a lack of coverage, do you think? Is it uh, the fact that we're getting no pass rush up front outside of Joseph Asai? Uh, where do you look at that and, and kind of see is the big concern there? I think it's a mix of no pass rush and then leading to broken down coverage. I mean, Texas's pass rush, it's been an issue all year, but if you're not going to get to 
Rattler or whoever your normal Big 12 quarterback is and you give them time to find a guy open in the end zone, it's not it's not going to turn out well in your favor. Uh, it's outside of just those size. Well, other guys on the outside got to get got to get to the quarterback and and I think the cornerbacks are doing a good job covering these receivers and holding them up. It's not like anybody was wide open in the end zone. Just you can't you can't give Big Twelve quarterbacks that much time in the pocket to make a play happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were instances where they did have some some broken down uh, coverage. The the touchdown to Marvin Mims comes immediately to mind. But but I think you're right for the most part. But you know, coverage helps your pass rush. Pass rush helps your coverage. And where they are getting good coverage, they're not getting home uh, on the defensive front. And, you know, and that, that's concerning because we expected a lot of, um, of Moro Jomo. We expected a lot of Keandre Coburn, which, don't get me wrong, he's doing fantastic, but you don't expect your nose tackle to be one of your top pass rushers. You know, where is Taquan Graham, you know, and Alfred Collins? You know, some of these guys that we, we've heard about, we've talked about, uh, and how come we haven't seen a Vernon Broughton? I mean, they need to bring some bodies in there to try and generate some sort of pressure on the quarterback. Right, and uh, I think linebackers also mix into this equation, whether they're coming on a blitz or they're dropping the coverage as well. They, I don't think that they've done a real good job either keeping assignments or keeping tracks of running backs that are – uh, hitting holes or, you know, sometimes covering tight ends. You know, Oklahoma had um, blanking on his name right now, but he's a big body tight end that was getting matched up with, you know, a linebacker that is just a straight mismatch. So they're not they're not really lining up well. Yeah, you're talking about Austin Stogner? Yeah. 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 And I think uh, – and they're doing – it seems like the opponents are doing what we expect Texas to be able to do, right? I mean, right. I mean against Oklahoma, they were going up against cornerbacks that, or defensive backs that were 5'9 and shorter. When you have a six foot seven Jared Wiley, when you have uh, a six foot five inch Malcolm Epps, you know, these guys should be taking advantage. Uh, you know, and it's happening against them, much the reason why we say the, the red zone defense. What was uh, What was another one of the – those concerns that that Herman spoke about? I think running the ball is a real big issue in this offense. We, we know what Sam, Sam Ellinger is. He's basically Superman and saved this team from a embarrassing defeat. Uh, But the run game has just not been there. Keontae Agram apparently now has fumbling issues. Roshan Johnson is, you know, he's dealing with an injury as well. And, there's only so much you can do to rely on a true freshman running back. And it, going into the season, you really thought it was going to be a position Texas could rely on. They had three guys that could get consistent snaps and possibly be top of the Big 12 in rushing, but it's just been a major issue. Herman and the offense have really strayed away from the run game, and they have to be better. It's pretty simple as that. Ellinger's going to do his thing, but if you can't run the ball, you're not going to win games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's concerning when your quarterback has 15 more carries than the next highest running back. Uh, he's obviously their leading rusher. He has the most rushing touchdowns. You look at Keontae Ingram, 35 carries. He only had three carries against Oklahoma. But that was because he got benched after the fumble. Uh, Roshan, like you said, 
he's dealing with the AC joint sprain. Is he going to play? Isn't he going to play? Uh, I, one of the things I think if they want to get this run game going and, and they're worried about Ingram and his fumbles and his mental state on the football field, uh, because of that, you know, he's going to think about it. Why isn't Bijan Robinson getting more looks? Yeah. You know, he's, he's in the game as, as more like, it seems like they're using him more as a receiver than a runner because he has 14 right. carries on the air. Yeah. I, I, w- I would hope that he starts to get some of these carries, especially if Johnson's banged up. And I mean, if Ingram, <laughs> Ingram's going to keep putting the ball on the ground, they're not going to have many more options. So True freshman, yeah, it may not be the best to see a, you know, such a young guy out there, but when you run out of options and you have someone as electric as Robinson, you may have no other option. And, and the concerning thing about Sam being one of the top, uh, you know, leading the team in rushing is that most of these yards aren't in designed, designed play calls. They're from offensive line breakdowns. So, yeah, it's it's okay to say that Ellinger is, I guess, producing more or less in the run game, but uh, I would bet most of these yards are because this offensive line's not protecting him. He's got to get out of the way and start running. More more scrambles, less design runs. I right. think I think more of his touchdowns are by design, running yeah, the QB power. Five, right. Yeah, you know, but I think some of the other things like his big rushes are 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 because of that. Um, but. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to get into the other two concerns as far as Tom Herman uh, spoke about uh, with the media on Monday. All right, Griffin, we, we've discussed red zone defense, which we know is, is an issue. We've discussed the running game or lack thereof. What was another one of the big concerns from Tom Herman on Monday? Something we touched on a little bit earlier, but it's getting guys into uh, getting open, you know, in man coverage. Uh, wide receiver definitely was a question mark, still possibly is. But, I mean, when you have some of these talented receivers, on the, especially on the outside, you're thinking your Joshua Moores, your Brandon Eagles. Uh, even, you know, the offense has made it a focal point to get tight ends involved but we're still not really seeing them get into different situations where they're going to be successful. And so I think Herman needs to, Herman and Yurchich need to find a way to scheme these guys where they're winning their one-on-one battles. And once they do, I think it's going to be a lot more beneficial to this offense. Yeah, I think the one thing you look at, especially the quarterback position, Sam Ellinger has not been good going down the field. Um, In the last game, he was 0 for 11 beyond 20 yards. But I have a bigger concern in that your second leading receiver on this football team is Jordan Whittington. And he has 12 receptions uh, in in essentially a game plus because he, he was injured early against UTEP. And so I look at that and I'm like, 12 receptions, 110 yards. So, you know, he's getting nine nine yards per reception, you know, which is really great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, eventually, you know, you start adding those up. Those are first downs. But the fact that he has more receptions than guys that have been playing this more games this year. So they're not spreading it around enough, I don't think. I don't think they're getting the tight ends involved enough, uh, especially when you got a guy like Jared Wiley. Four catches for 77 yards. You'd think I'd find a way to get him the ball more. 
And I think it goes back to Mike Yersich early on in the season uh, talking about the route concepts. And we've even heard Ellinger, you know, talk about the route concepts, how they're, how they're elite and they're not getting open. And, and when they are throwing their way, maybe Ellinger's off or, or there's drops. So uh, what do they have to do? Do they, do they need, do you feel like this offense is too much of Tom Herman's offense and not a Mike Yersich offense? I'm not really sure what what I think they need to do. I think I think J- Jake Smith and Jordan Winton need to be on the field at the same time. I think that's going to cause matchup problems inside for a lot of you know Big Twelve defenses that may have tough time covering those two guys. And then once those two guys are on the field, it's going to open up the outside a whole lot more than it would. And then throw and. Then throw a big body tight end there that's going to be matched up against a linebacker, maybe a smaller safety. And I, I really think Smith and Whittington are the key two guys. You said he's – Whittington's already the leading receiver. And if Jake Smith has been healthy, healthy all year, he probably would be the leading receiver. So getting those two guys in the ballgame at the same time is probably going to be the biggest factor. Yeah, I think getting Brennan Eagles also more involved. I mean, he has eight catches on the year, but he's going for – you know, 19 yards per reception. So, you know, I think getting him more involved, I mean, the and, – and I think you, you hit the nail on the head when, when you're talking about Jake Smith being a key. You know, he's played one game. You know, he scored a touchdown in that game. Having both him and Whittington on the field is something we haven't seen yet, but I think it's something that we have to see. Uh, and, then, and then I want to get to the final point, the final issue that Tom Herman spoke about on Monday. Yeah, running the ball or stopping, stopping opposing offenses running the ball straight at them. I mean, Texas defensive line has been basically non-existent up the middle, and then linebackers have just been missing tackles left and right. Players have been getting to the second level. Even when uh, T.J. Pleasure fumbled on Saturday, he he was a good at least fifteen yards upfield. So there's just been no run defense. And it's been straight down the middle against uh, Texas all year. Yeah, and, and the middle, especially specifically the middle, was something that, you know, that, that Chris Ash talked about, about having one of the best tandems up the middle. When he talked right. about Keandre Coburn, uh, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, uh, Taquan Graham. You know, they talked a lot about him, but, you know, like you said, they're, they're just running right up the middle on these guys and, and the tackles. I mean, it, since Big 12 play has started, Texas has missed 49 tackles. And and your weak side linebacker in DeMarvian Overshone has been leading the way with, uh, with, I believe it's 14 missed tackles since Big 12 play started. You know, so when you're missing that many tackles, and that's something that I've looked at, missed tackles, your points per game go up, you know. And so when you see those things, those are things they got to clean up. Uh, you know, obviously, I think what really hurt Texas is anytime Jawan Mitchell's out of the game because they don't have a quality backup there. So, once again, I think we're talking about linebacker depth for like the third year in a row. It seems like it seems like that's always an issue for Texas is in the second levels, and then obviously the third levels you got to get better play. But what hurts them is is missing a Caden Stearns. You know, right. he's he's dealing with injuries. You know, and and Chris Brown is dealing with injuries and, and Josh Thompson is dealing with injuries. So, you know, it's really showing the lack of depth for this defense. 
And I think when you look at the schedule upcoming, you gotta you gotta look at these running backs Texas is about to face. You gotta circle Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State and then Brees Hall from Iowa State. Two of the best running backs in the country, maybe uh the these guys are just gonna pound pound the ball right down the middle. Even if this Baylor game gets played, John Lovett, they're gonna do the exact same thing, even if they have these great quarterbacks who can spread across the field. If the big if Big Twelve coaches can run the ball up the middle, they're they're gonna do it. So Chris Ash has to get it done and fixed as soon as he possibly can, otherwise it's gonna be a world of hurt. Yeah, I, I mean I think you're dead on. Uh you know, when when you're not able to stop the run game and when you're not able to stop teams from scoring once they get into the red zone, uh you're missing tackles. You know, I think that's just a recipe of disaster. And I think you could point to all four of those and look at it and go, that's exactly why you're playing 500 football right now. You know, that that's the tough deal about it. But I want to thank you for hopping on the Locked on Longhorns podcast today, Griffin. Uh, make sure you're following Griffin's work at the Longhorns Wire as well as on Twitter. It's Griffin underscore McVeigh, M-C-V-E-I-G-H. Griffin, thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, and we'll hopefully get you back on down the road. Welcome. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I want to thank Griffin McVeigh for hopping on. Uh, make sure you head on over to the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But for Cami, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.